I have a bad feeling about this. Do you think it's gonna be a trap? No, I think George Lucas might be an asshole. Thing, the podcast that has just too many Metachlorians. We wouldn't let us into the Jedi Temple. They said, nope, you're packed full of them, you're chock-a-block. 27. <laughs> Enough. Lose three of them, come back, we'll talk about it. I'm Paul Salt. I'm someone who's not afraid to say no. Try and find me in the film, everyone. <laughs> George, I don't think this is um, very appropriate to have in a Star Wars film. Have him killed. What? <laughs> I mean business. With The Last Jedi either about to come out or having come out last week, depending on when we release this, yeah. uh, we thought it a good time to revisit one of the biggest disappointments ever put to film. Oh, no! Star Wars, Episode 1, The Phantom Premise. Uh, George Lucas's 1999 prequel to the Star Wars trilogy that he was somewhat involved in back in the 70s and 80s. The film was received by critics but like a massive, racist, stupid-looking cartoon rabbit inexplicably shoved into their boring space opera about fucking taxes, which is to say that they actually quite liked it, it seems, and they think that it's your fault for not liking it. Andrew Johnson, writing for a publication I didn't bother to write down, said, Let's face it, no film could ever match the expectations some have for episode one, The Phantom Menace. Which isn't to say it's a disappointment. On the contrary, it's awesomely entertaining. Uh, Provided you accept it on its own terms. You know the terms of not being entertaining. If you accept (laughs) it on those terms, it's hugely entertaining. (laughs) Yes, I posit that Mr. Johnson doesn't have a paper, and that he's... (laughs) made everyone believe that he has <laughs> by screaming into people's lounges the daily johnson <laughs> the johnson times it's time for the daily johnson <laughs> gather round the letterbox i'm shouting through <laughs> gather round residents of number 53 hollyhock crescent <laughs> it's the johnston report oh, fuck i hate the johnston report uh, william arnold of the seattle post um, also of the Daily Johnson. <laughs> also of the Daily Johnston. He's a he's a um he's taken on staff, Christ Umpers. <laughs> uh agreed that the film's massive hype caused many of the negative reactions, saying it built expectations that can't possibly be matched and scuttled the element of storytelling surprise. Oh, like The Force Awakens. Yeah, you know, that was that was one of the most anticipated movies ever made and everyone hated it, right? Yeah. The massive backlash. George Lucas, Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah. <laughs> all the people like us Arnold went on to say that the film was actually much better than similar box office fare released around that year such as The Mummy and The Matrix okay yeah um, I even have issue with the, the, the former <laughs> yep The Mummy I really enjoy yeah. so fuck you William Arnold <laughs> The Matrix we can all agree was terrible though much worse than The Phantom Menace oh yeah well thank god it picked up towards the end of that trilogy <laughs> You know what? I mean, I think maybe the Wachowskis read that review and were like, shit. Okay, people don't want sort of fantastical sci-fi worlds and interesting premises that really expose mm. our own reality. Instead, we need a boring, bearded man espousing 
dialogue that's impossible to understand or care about. Well, luckily, the public could be expected to provide some more measured reactions to the film, mm-hmm. uh, by which I mean accurate reactions. Grifter84 said, let's face it, George Lucas has lost it. He has gone from the great actor's director he was when he made American Graffiti to a special effects artist gone wildly out of control. Well, I don't it's... know if you've seen the Channel 5 program. <laughs> special <laughs> effects artist gone mad. <laughs> uh, Spleen, also IMDb. The organ. Uh, the organ. <laughs> okay. Spleen from Your Body <laughs> said, The main line of defense seems to be, lighten up. It's just entertainment slash a kid's movie slash just a special effects flick. Pausing a while to note that people who run this line of defense have all but conceded that the film is in fact bad, let's take these points one by one. And he does. He goes one okay. by one, and it's actually really interesting. So check oh. out Spleen's review, oh. which he points out how it's not entertaining because there's no characters. It's not just a kid's movie because kid's movies can be good. And special effects have actually dated quite badly. So, mm. yeah, interesting. Great. <laughs> Thank you, Spleen. Thanks, Spleen. And thanks for processing all that, um, what, what, what a Spleen does. Regulating growth, I think, in in in, in oh, youngins, lovely. yeah, That's not great. Yeah, well, they'd know about kids' movies then. So, Paul, you bant for fodder. What's something about Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace that made you want to give it an inexplicably good review? Um, I think we can all agree that Ben Quadineros made us all happy before oh, we before he was uh, disqualified <laughs> for being a bad race man. <laughs> he was for a- making the worst pod. <laughs> he made the worst pod. So, tell me about this uh, this epic, the epic of Ben Quadinero. What's this? Scroll. Is there a funeral? <laughs> well, I'm not so sure, but I do see a dirge. Uh, elaborate on the scroll, please, Paul. Yes, yeah, so the film starts and some, some text starts scrolling inexplicably up the screen. What? And like yellow text. I've never seen such that a thing. That happen in films. No, what? You want me to read now? I came oh. here because I'm illiterate, sir. <laughs> Um, yes, the standard Star Wars tech school starts. And it says, Turmoil has engulfed the Galactic Republic. Ooh. Fuck. You know, Galactic Republic, we've never heard of that before, but it sounds like a good thing. It sounds uh, like a stonker of a place. Yeah, and now, you know, Turmoil. Turmoil? Christ, what could be happening? Some sort of invasion of robots, perhaps. Yeah. Or perhaps that Phantom Menace has been up to his old tricks. Oh, yeah, at least a sort of uh, especially virulent form of uh, VD. Yeah, man. You know, wartime and all that. Oh, man, that's going to be tough to wipe out. Yeah. So, yeah, um, the second, the second um, sentence mm-hmm. elaborates I'm on ready. this. ready. The taxation of trade routes to outlying star systems is in dispute. Oh, fuck! <laughs> Excuse me, Mr. Prime Minister. I think you'll find the taxation of trade routes to outlying systems is in dispute. What do you, What does your government intend on doing about it? Well, it's a very interesting question, actually. I think the question <laughs> that you should be asking is, um, do I believe in this government's ability to deliver good government for all? Um... What about the uh, outlying systems? No, no, there's, I, there's, I, dis, there's, there's no, dispute. No, no, sorry, sorry, sorry if, 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 if I can, if I can. <laughs> okay, I've said it already. I've said it before. I, be, I the question is. Ah, oh, it's a phantom menace. <laughs> ah, shit. Oh my god. 
Yeah, so with all, all of that nicely set up, um, yes. six paragraphs of, um, of, of <laughs> <Tax>. monolithically scrolling <laughs> tax-related uh, jargon. A, a brief history of the origins of the Clone Wars, which I think is what we were all after. It was written and directed by Ken Burns. Um, it turns out, fuck me, do we have to summarise this? The, no, the... we cut we cut in and there are two, there's yeah. a ship coming to land on a big ship. And it's got two Jedi on it. Yeah. They've come to negotiate a fucking... Because the ship is is like blockading Naboo which is a place an outlying star system perhaps and they have things and trade is being disrupted so they've come to talk about the tax and how this relates to them sitting in space completely still um, as, as the Jedis have historically done and they they they, they go <laughs> in. The Jedi's are like the ombudsman of this world. Yes, I- I- exactly. They resolve all disputes which have gone through the formal processes of the Galactic Republic. Yes. Did you ever see that film Repo Men? Yes. Well, anyway, they're in <laughs> the, they're in the ship uh, now, and they're talking to uh, the Viceroy Newt Gunray. Oh yes. Um, has a I don't know if you remember has a very sort of distinguished, dis- easily distinguishable accent. Yes. Um, very separate from everyone around him. We've got a bit of a problem with the tax over here, and uh, oh, uh, the two Jedi's. Uh, I, don't, I don't really feel very safe around either of you. Excuse me, Mister Emperor. What is it? Um, well, they sent two Jedi's to sort out the uh, to sort out the trade dispute or the taxation or some fucking thing. Yeah, but they're looking a bit uh, looking a bit uh, special. If you get my drift, <laughs> wipe them out. Okay, all of them. Why, why does he keep saying that in relation to every problem we bring to him? <laughs> he always says we should wipe them out, all of them. He's a man of action, isn't he? Yeah. And, 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 um, yeah, and then, so, Qui, Qui Gon Jin and, um, and Ewan Bremner, the, um, <laughs> the Kenobi, Bremn Kenobi. The young ginger, um, <laughs> master of the force. Yes. Um, they the, fight their way out. They, fight, they try to gas them. They try. They try to gas them, but it's it's um it's a bad plan because they don't wait to, for them to actually die. Just, <laughs> they open the door immediately. Yeah, they open the they they they, they turn the gas on, then open the doors <laughs> and shock horror. Um, the Scottish and the Irish Jedi's Jedi yes. are alive. They they, oh, they no. come busting out. Now you listen here. <laughs> You'll regret this immediately. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> this is a bad film choice. So they they come out and um, they fight some robots, but then yeah. some big robots show up and they can't fight the big robots, so they have to run away very very quickly. They hide on a ship that's going down to Naboo because they find having skulked around the place a bit, yeah. and with the emperor, uh, the, the the viceroys, the fucking yeah, the the, the racist people, mm. they decide they're not going to tell the emperor because he might you know have a bit of a problem with us. <laughs> uh, so they. Decide we won't report anything until there's something to report. Yeah. And they go hide on a ship and go down to the surface of Naboo with the army that the Trade Federation are sending Mm -hmm. to Naboo in order to force the Queen to sign a treaty that will legalize the invasion. Star Wars! Nothing but Star Wars! (laughs) Fuck. Okay, so they... Just, oh, I, I don't even know. The two Jedi's land and reconnoiter back together. Qui Gon Jinn accidentally and very unfortunately saves the life of an incredibly annoying character who goes, "Oh no!" Yeah, uh, fucking hell, fucking you, hell, that came right by my head. Hey, you only went and saved me life. <laughs> oh, you saved me life. <laughs> that fucking tank nearly bashed me head in. <laughs> now my life is yours. <laughs> I'll come with yous. <laughs> um, 
and they say, well, okay, but we need to get to the capital of this planet that we just landed on. Oh, well, that's on the other side of the planet. Why did the invasion force land here then? Oh, anyway, come to Mar- <laughs> come back to Margaff, Otagunga. Come back to Otagunga with me, and we'll settle this like men. <laughs> they go to the bottom of the fucking thing. Yes, where and- every- everybody has an offensive accent. Yes, Brian Blessed's there. Yeah, <laughs> it's very offensive. Yeah, and he tells them, "Okay, look, I'll give you hello. Okay, I shall give you a submarine." Use that to get to the capital of Naboo, where all the pricks live. We don't like them very much for reasons that will, might be explored later. Will they really? No. They Briefly. Get into a, <laughs> okay. Get into a submarine. They're going down. Jar Jar's explaining in his racist accent why he got banned from the city in the first place. Yeah. Oh, they banned me because I'm clumsy. Yeah. Also a knife, the lassie. <laughs> what did you do that for? <laughs> Fuck me, that's a bit wrong. <laughs> Jesus. They get to the city, the idyllic yeah. Venice-looking city, mm-hmm. where the queen has been coerced and is being led away where to yeah. i don't know doesn't matter she doesn't get there because the two young jedi attack mm-hmm. destroy a whole bunch of robots effortlessly yeah, yeah. i'll fucking it. take you <laughs> says charger <laughs> <laughs> says the young jedi and the, the, old, the jedi. old jedi says <laughs> you're gonna regret this yeah. like you're all gonna reg- oh, that was scottish no it's still scottish <laughs> hey user user all gonna regret this <laughs> if my name isn't quite gone jen <laughs> now you listen here <laughs> you don't know me but i have some very particular skills <laughs> i'm the only jedi with a beard <laughs> Fear me. <laughs> he cuts them all up with a blade, with a with bristle beard. of his beard. Yeah, um, yeah. He say he saves the queen, and the queen's so thrilled. They pick up some pilots. They leave. They manage to charge the blockade. A young robot who looks a bit familiar. C three PO. Oh, he's outside I think the he's ship. Terminator. <laughs> he's outside the ship. Like goodness gracious me! How do I expect it to? Oh no! Ah. Mm. Oh, you know. He's C-3PO dead. stuff. He's, he's dead. dead. He has his head blown off. Yeah. Well, part, most of his head. Yeah. So they then... Well, they, they took some damage, or they left without fueling, so they don't have enough to get to... Coruscant. That's the one. They're going to Coruscant so that they can legally lodge their fucking complaint against the Trade Federation in the hope that the bureaucracy there will vote in favour of sending a relief force to liberate the fucking planet. Yes, it's fantastic. It's amazing. Al- Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. Alas, but- they can't go there. Yes. Um, they end up... Uh- They're contractually obliged to arrive on a desert planet before yes. they can continue the plot. <laughs> so... So, Tatooine. Tatooine, that'll do. That's yeah. a place from the first one. Superb, superb. Yep. They're down there. Um, Qui-Gon Jinn's out looking for machine parts. Yep. <laughs> Don't know where that was from. <laughs> that was said by that captain character. He's been like that. <laughs> yeah. uh, while Sue McGregor's going to sulk on a boat. Yes. A boat. Yeah, he goes and finds a boat in the middle of the desert and he sulks on it. Good old Marty on it. You know the character who everyone's mostly familiar with from the original trilogy? Yeah, he's, yeah, he's... L- yeah largely absent. Largely absent. He's just going to stay on a ship. That's fantastic. So Moody <sighs> Liam Neeson goes off looking for... Um, you know what? Some, some parts. Hmm? All the Tatooine stuff happens. All the Tatooine stuff happens and then they leave the planet. <laughs> they leave the planet having picked up a young boy called Anakin. That's about as um, momentous as his entrances, anyway. I genuinely think that's it. They, they just there's a lot of contrivances, there's a lot of swapping and dealing, and loads of bullshit. It lasts about half an hour, and there's a pod race sequence that yeah. might be impressive if you enjoy '90s era special effects. Mm. Um, and they, 
leave. Yes. Um, with Anakin. Let us... Without his mum. Let us not... Yes. Let us also not forget the um, horrendously racist uh, stereotype. Oh, of course. Uh, in, in, in Watto. Um, you, the guy you, who's going to supply the parts they need to get off the planet. Yeah. You remember Watto. Yes. All right. Looking for a few car parts, are you? Oh, <laughs> Ooh, never mind. Uh, oh, cider down my top there. Sorry. <laughs> uh, oh, never mind the old uh, hook nose. Uh, it's not very, not very PC, is it? <laughs> um, yeah. And uh, oh, yeah. give, 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 give the orphan away. It's not, not very likely. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, wool. There you go. Yeah. Brilliant. And, yeah. So, they give him the boy, and they go to Coruscant. Yeah. Yep. And, where and, they get met, they meet with the Jedi Council. Yes. They oh. they they find out that young Anakin Skywalker. Um, is is fucking? He's fucking so stuffed full of sort force, hanging, swollen with midichlorians. Yes, he could literally just, just blow his nose, yeah. and wipe out a civilization. Is how full of force he is. Yes, um, which is you know we get to see the sheer power of his force powers when he um, oh, oh. So that gets settled. The other piece of incredibly boring bureaucracy that's happening on this planet. <laughs> Um, oh, sorry. Yes. So he's full. He's stuffed full of port force power, force port force power. power. <laughs> um, but they can't, you know, train him in the ways of being a Jedi because he's too old. Yeah, he's at least ten. Grandpa Palpatine. You have to stop me if I'm getting this wrong. Emperor Palpatine urges Queen Queen Amidala for, to um, propose a vote of no confidence. Yes, blisteringly. This is this is this is carried. Yes, and 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 therefore the Senate is in stalemate. Yes. White knuckly <laughs> She decides she's just going to go back with the force that's not that much bigger than the one she left with in the first place. Yeah. Negotiate a piece with the Gungans, which she does quite easily because it turns out it was all a big misunderstanding. Mm-hmm. And then they go and fight off the droids and there's a big battle and it's got multiple stages. In mm-hmm. one stage, the Gungans are just going to meet the droids in the middle of a big empty field and they'll have a big boring fight that's largely comedic relief. Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah, oh, I, I get it. I see what. Okay, it was jokes. Because you know, Jar Jar Binks is all clumsy. Oh no! The other, another part of it is that uh, Jake Lloyd has gotten into a plane and is off fighting in the skies above fucking Naboo. Yeah, that's wonderful. That was <clears throat> amazing. He accidentally blows ah, up a thing. Sorry, <laughs> I just choked on the, the good times. He also accidentally blows up a whole bunch of things. Yippee! A lot of stuff happening by accident without anyone really trying for things. Mm-hmm. But that's the force. Back on the planet surface, the palace is being invaded by Queen Amidala and her handful of guards, which is also incredibly exciting as they slowly repel their way up the side of the building. Yeah. Eventually, they manage to get the uh, racist um, viceroys under control. Yes. Oh, no. Oh, you bested us. Oh, oh, Bovril. (laughs) And, um... Oh, no. Yeah, oh, so racist. Yeah. I feel... I hate it. Nay. No. Finally... Yeah. Uh, there's a fight between Darth Maul. Who's in the film? Who's in the film, and he's scary. Darth Maul, more like. <laughs> yeah. Yes, he's fighting with uh, the young Jedi and the old Jedi. Yeah. The old Jedi gets killed. Yeah. Young Jedi gets really mad and cuts him in half, yeah. literally down the middle. Yeah. And. Not the good middle, though, not Bone Tomahawk middle. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the cop out middle. <laughs> Up out middle. Uh, yeah, he's dead. Qui-Gon has a few last words, which basically yeah. mean, I think it'll be good for the next two movies if you just train, <laughs> if you train Anakin. But uh, why did you get to leave? Why am I under contract? Ha 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 
And then and then that's it. He's, he's, yeah, he can go. He can go be in other movies. Yeah, like Taken, Taken 2, <laughs> Taken 3. Oh, no, I fucked it up. The Unknown. Oh, dear. Hmm. And... Flash of the Titans. Yeah. And Love Actually. Oh, yeah. You got to be in that for a bit. That's all right. That's two good films there. Well, there you list. go. Yes. Uh, the End. The End. Yeah, Anakin Skywalker is going to be trained in the ways of the Force. Oh, yeah. Queen Amidala is going to continue to be Queen of Amidala. And the Brian Blessed holds up a big glowing orb. Jar Jar Binks is... Um, Dead. Died. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, no, that's it. Yeah, eradicated yeah. from the face of the Earth. Absolutely. Oh, well. He was eradicated by a wave of poor reception. The audience silently files out. The end. <laughs> yes. So, that was Star Wars The Phantom Menace. The long-awaited follow-up to Return of the Jedi. Yes, I'm sorry I didn't have much of an input in that um, in that <laughs> plot synopsis, Paul. I uh, couldn't remember a single thing about that. It was horrendous. Yeah, I, I literally all I remember, are, are we in the grey bit, the green bit, the yellow bit, the other grey bit, mm-hmm. or back on the green bit? That's how the film looks. Me so sorry, how how yeah. wooed and... No droid is worth two pat two slaves. Yeah, God. Oh, oh very very good. Uh, <laughs> you, uh, will sign, you will sign the treaty for us. Fuck me. It's it's pretty alarming. Before we get into anything else, it's pretty fucking alarming the caricatures. And yeah. George Lucas came out and said, Oh well actually, um I think you'll find that it says more about the people who make these comparisons than it does about the uh Actual characters themselves. Fuck off. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Listen to the sound of the fucking villains of the film. Insert clips here. (laughs) It's Queen Amadala herself. At last, we are getting results. Again, you come before us, your highness. Might as well buy a new ship. It would be cheaper, I think, huh? (laughs) Thing of which... How's he going to pay for all of this? Mr. Jaja Binks. Mr. Your humble servant. That won't be necessary. Oh, but it is. So you got the grand, grand dragon of the KKK going, oh, it's, it's what you, your perception of my suit it says a lot. <laughs> it speaks volumes, actually. <laughs> but you'll find you're actually the racist. Yeah. But they speak exactly like offensive Chinese. Oh, so that's what yeah. you think Chinese people sound like, is it? <laughs> Fuck off. Oh, yeah. <laughs> piss on you it's it, it, it really is horrendous i mean yeah. I, th- I think it was i think <coughs> the, the the gut reaction in me was more severe than watching jack and jill jack and jill i didn't feel anything <laughs> but but in in this yeah like i, I take a million i'm kidding over yeah. over listening to another one of those so Misha, could, your humble servant yeah. and it's like he's the servile fucking guy yeah that is the most baffling aspect of the film the rest of it i think can be explained away but the idea that lucas said Oh, I think we'll do this. This will be good. And everyone else was like, yeah, sounds great. Mm. Voice actors. Fucking, uh, you know, uh, not to make presumptions here, but a black guy voice, Jar Jar Binks. Mm. He didn't look at the dialogue and just think, this is fucked up. <laughs> damn. This is damn. This is not good. Yeah. Oh, but you directed Star Wars. Yeah. I feel like that was it. And I feel a big part of this, I think, is that... Lucas was free to be Lucas. Mm-hmm. I feel like it really needs to be em- emphasized mm-hmm. that the original trilogy, Lucas kicked the whole thing off. He had a lot of bad ideas. Mm-hmm. He wanted um, C-3PO to be like a used car salesman. And he wanted Chewbacca to look like a weird, massive lizard thing. Mm-hmm. And he wanted uh, he wanted all sorts of terrible things that producers talked him out of, or that he didn't have the money for. Yes. And in the end, that movie was really assembled by editors. 
the, the, the first, as far as I'm aware, the first draft of a, of a New Hope also had the whole taxation story in it, um, which is obviously just repurposed then for. So is this a joke or is this genuine? No, this is genuine. Fuck me. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I did, I did a bit of, um, re- <laughs> research into this. The, um, the New Hope, uh, opening scroll originally had six, was six paragraphs instead of the one. Fuck me. Um, Somebody again, and it was just backstory. I think I, I think I read that Brian De Palma wrote it or something like that. Really? Yeah. <laughs> this is exactly Phantom Menace is the perfect example of letting, yeah. of, of giving you know the problem with giving somebody like him control. Well, he you know, said just to quote him briefly, writing the script was much more joy- enjoyable this time around because I wasn't contained constrained by anything. Mm-hmm. You can't write one of these movies without knowing how you're going to accomplish it. With CG at my disposable, I knew I could do whatever I wanted. Ah, yeah. Yay. <laughs> well, that's interesting because he did approach Lawrence Lawrence Kasdan. Yes, who wrote uh, The Empire Strikes Back, yes. co-wrote um, The Empire Strikes Back, wrote uh, Return of the Ki- uh, Jedi, Return yes. of the Jedi with Lucas, and then also co-wrote um, The Force Awakens with J.J. Uh, Abrams. Yes, and he declined because he wanted it to be George Lucas's vision. Which Everybody is- did. That's the weird yeah. thing is he approached three different high-profile directors, mm-hmm. including Steven Spielberg. Yes asking them to direct this and all of them said no no this is your vision mm. which very much reeks of you know what <laughs> having read your script <laughs> this feels like a you thing yeah you, this I, is I very george to, i wouldn't want to detract from the whole george show you know what i mean <laughs> the george yes, show georgetown georgetown the series and you have like stories of spielberg visiting the set mm-hmm. this so-called set it was largely sort of massive green screens he erected to put his actors in front of yes only as tall as uh, the characters' heads, <laughs> uh, according to IMDb trivia. Excellent. Um, and they, they, Liam Neeson cost him an extra hundred and fifty thousand dollars because he was so tall. <laughs> Damn you, Liam Neeson! That what an asshole! That could have been an extra six inches of CGI, <laughs> and then the film would have been saved. Um, yet he approached David Hare to co-direct because um, he said he didn't have. He was fine with the story, but didn't feel comfortable approaching the actors. Um, so he <laughs> wanted is, to be the story guy and David yeah. Hare be the ca- the actors guy. Which is extraordinary when you think about those characters, because unfortunately, everyone acts so s- mundane, mm-hmm. so sort of boringly. Federation would not dare go that far. We must continue to rely on negotiation. and will not condone a course of action that will lead us to war. Yeah. This is a very boring film. You think back to... Star Wars, the original Star Wars, you think to Han Solo, like, great shot, kid, that was one in a million. Yeah. Like, just actors doing things. And even though everyone hated it and no one wanted to be there, everyone put their energy into yeah. it. Even Alec Guinness, who, you know, despised these movies. Yeah. Like, he he gave a fucking amazing performance as Obi-Wan. In this... The DeLoreans are a microscopic life form that resides within all living cells. They live inside me. Inside yourselves, yes. And we are symbionts with them. Symbionts. Everyone is so dull and boring, and part of that comes from the script. Mm-hmm. For example, IMDb runs memorable quotes. They'll put memorable quotes on their sites, and people vote for them on whether they found it interesting, yes or no. And oh, I more, love those. The more interesting ones float to the top, the ones that people vote uninteresting stay at the bottom. Yeah. Here are the top quotes. First of all, here's one from Empire Strikes Back, the highest rated quote on The Empire Strikes Back. There's more than 100 votes. All right, I'll give it a try. No. Try not. Do or do not. There is no try. You remember that? Yeah, I like that. That's pretty good. Here's the top rated, highest rated quote from The Phantom Menace. Okay. Fear is the path to the dark side. Fear leads to anger. 
Anger leads to hate. Hate leads to suffering. I sense much fear in you. What? Fear leads to anger. Anger leads to hate. Mm -hmm. Hate leads to suffering. That's a very specific order. Quite wordy. Yeah. (laughs) Not very insightful for Yoda, the Master Jedi. No, that's true. It's very, it's very Matrix Reloaded, isn't it? So it sounds good, when, <laughs> when, but then when you actually pay attention to the words, yeah, not much yeah. character in it so far. No. Let's set, let's look at the second most voted line in The Empire Strikes Back. I love you. I know. Yeah. F- famous. What? Well, just yeah, yeah. One of the most famous lines from Star Wars. Mm. Second highest rated line from The Phantom Menace. There's always a bigger fish. Well, well. I mean, that was the best line. I mean, that was the moment where Qui-Gon really shone through, if you ask me. Interesting. Uh, the I love you line. Yeah. Ad-libbed? The yes, I know. ad-libbed. Yeah. Yes. And this is this is the thing. Um, yeah. Ford, Hamill, and, and, and Fisher, they all yeah. they went up to George Lucas and said, well, I mean, you know, Harrison Ford has a famous line. Famous line, you can, you can write, write this, this shit, shit but you sure can't, can't say it. Yeah. yeah. They, they asked um, George Lucas if they could ad-lib a lot of their lines because yeah. the, the dialogue was so terrible. Which Ivan Kirshner, the director of um, Empire Strikes Back, kept going, as yeah. did um, all the guy directed the third movie. Yeah, and and, yeah. and and in this, what what what's happened is you don't have the actors... The actors were... Like clamoring, pushing each other under the mud to try and get to this film first. Yeah, everybody wanted to be in this film so much. Phantom Menace. Uh, yeah, the Phantom yeah. Menace. Um, George Lucas didn't have actors questioning him. He didn't have no. um, co-writers or just a single noman in the, in, his, in the entire production. His that producer, he listened to Rick, at least. his producer Rick McCallum, seems to have been a real fucking enabler yeah. for the whole thing of just whatever George wants. So much detail in every frame. And, and the, but this seems to be forgetting the crucial thing that George Lucas didn't single-handedly make the original Tridge. Far from it. No. If, yeah. if any, if anything, he, I mean, he, he struck the match. Yeah. And then walked away. <laughs> yeah. Tom <laughs> was driven away. He found directing Star Wars really stressful. Yeah. He's not, he doesn't seem that cut out to wanting to be a director. If you look at behind the scenes stuff on the, um, prequel trilogy, there's a lot of him being on a sofa. There's a lot of him mm. being in his trailer, like directing movies the way John Milliers used to. Mm. And it's like, you don't seem that energetic about this. If you watch J.J. Abrams on the set of like the original Star Treks, like, you know, his shaky cam thing that yeah. Abrams likes doing, he does that manually. He gets behind the camera and like hits yeah. it, which I find a bit annoying. But the point <laughs> is, he's passionate. He gives a shit. Yeah. I never get that vibe from Lucas. Uh, I mean, the, 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 the laziness is, is, there for anybody yeah. to see from the, the the cgi backdrop to the the direct the yeah directorial style i mean the action scenes oh, was God. shot reverse shot yeah there was no I, I i can't remember a single action scene where you saw a laser gun being fired yeah and you could tell where that came from yeah and then it hits hits a droid and you can tell the the trajectory in that room that it took yeah there were there were whole shots of lightsabers crashing into droids or like yeah striking each other in midair but you couldn't tell where you didn't know where the characters were because they weren't filmed them in the same um in in the same shot that that or it was all very perfunctory of just show a gun being fired show its impact show another gun being fired show its Mm. impact there's no mixing up of static camera yeah yeah and it just it just meant for the flattest fucking experience of (laughs) of my life It, it really is and you you get to moments that people sort of talk about as being redeeming qualities for the film moments like the pod racing sequence for mm-hmm. example, um, uh, or the lightsaber fight at the end. And it's just, it's so carefully planned out. 
by people. There's no energy behind it. And part of that comes from the fact that the characters are so in- uninteresting. The characters are just so flat. Well, again, like the the, the character moments. Yeah. What what were they? Well, I have a third quote. Okay, brilliant. <laughs> glad um, I asked. To mix it up a bit, this is from Return of the Jedi. I'll not leave you here. I've got to save you. You already have, Luke. You already have. Mm-hmm. Darth Vader's last words. Beautiful. You're a Jedi Knight, aren't you? What makes you think that? I saw your laser sword. Only Jedi Jedis carry that kind of weapon. Perhaps I killed a Jedi and took it from him. I don't think so. No one can kill a Jedi. I wish that was so. Mm. And it's just so... Qui-Gon's so boring is the thing. Mm. <laughs> he's just a nothing man. And Anakin is, you know, he's got to be preppy at times, shouting things like woohoo yeah. and such. But for the most part, there's not really a character there. Well, it's 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 just all done with the disconnect that yeah. is that is evident to see in George Lucas's directing style. It really is. Um, it doesn't help that Qui Gon is a fucking useless waste of space. <laughs> he's like showing his lightsaber yeah. when he's like digging around for <laughs> for money or whatever he's yeah, doing. Yeah, he's a pretty rubbish Jedi. He's a bad Jedi, and and Jake Lloyd. I mean, poor poor little kid who was yeah. bullied remorselessly yeah. um, for years after that his fault he was hired and given a terrible script and encouraged to be annoying <laughs> yeah in the film i mean he, yeah he was directed to be natural by george lucas what do you expect <laughs> it's just the laziness that yeah. pervades the film i think is this idea that he did want to tell another story for some reason and he told a really boring one about taxation because mm. it shouldn't take that much energy to describe the inherent plot i mean yes if you want to break down the force awakens for example you can get into a lot of stuff about what you know the old empire means and what the new the new yeah. order is but when you really break it down it's a story about characters it's a story about ray and finn and their attempts to get away from these forces to find their own path there's so many characters in this who are just being hurried along with the plot. And it's like, why is Jar Jar still here? It's this mention of a life debt. Mm-hmm. But what does Jar Jar want from this movie? What does fucking um, Anakin want from this? Does he want to go and train to be a Jedi? What does uh, what does Queen Amidala... I mean, Queen Amidala is the only one who has a clear motivation, which was that she wants her people freed. And everyone mm. else is just along for the ride. What are the two Jedis doing here? Are they defending the weak, upholding virtue? I mean, then they're, they're not your classic heroes, are they? Not really? Um, they're, no, they're unknowable. They are sent by some bureaucratic republic mm. in order to fulfil a function, some sort of negotiation, which doesn't make much <sighs> sense. Like, what is their purpose? From it, may, it, it's so much easier in a new hope. What with the Jedi gone? Yeah, the Jedi are gone. There's one left. And he's been asked to help Princess Leia. She's in trouble and she's asked Obi-Wan for help. And because he's a good guy, he decides that he is going to help. And because he has a certain amount of affection for Luke, he invites him to come with him and learn the ways of the Force. Mm. Because more than anything, he'd actually quite like someone else to show an interest in his beliefs. Here, they're just there. Yeah. And then, at the, but even then, yeah. everything about the Jedi... In, in 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 this film and the you know the other two yeah. it's so over explained yes down, but in all the wrong to a molecular level yeah yes in in all the wrong places yeah like we'd like to see what the jedis were were doing at that time of that that time yeah. um whatever it was 29 bby yeah. and but instead 
we get to see the Council of the Jedi is just <laughs> just sluggishly debating things, and then yeah. like in other films, we get to see the like the the, the younglings, yeah, um, which is all the wrong bits that we wanted to find out about, <laughs> and it's and, it, and it's kind of like George Luke George Lucas feeling like he's tapped into what the audience really wanted, yeah, which um, they haven't because really no. the Jedi appealed to this idea of the sort of Knights Templar in space, yeah. this idea of some sort of loose affiliation of warriors who, you know, all carry their own weapons and have their own backstory. And they don't have a fucking uniform. Yeah. Like, Obi-Wan wore those robes on Tatooine because it was a desert planet and that made sense for him to wear. They don't Mm. all wear that. Yeah. They're all individuals. They're not some sort of weird monastic Mm. order that must forgo sex and romance and emotion. You know, we're meant to want to roleplay as these guys. Yeah. You want to you you want to be a Jedi. A director has a really tough job because they've yeah. got to be little picture and big picture mm. all the time. They've got to know exactly not only how this one scene that you're currently filming should work, but how it's going to fit into everything yeah. else. And that's tough. Yeah, it's tough to be thinking like that about an audience's experience. You know, you're standing in the middle of Tunisia with a camera and 500 extras, and you've got to know how to direct them. Mm. So that it makes, you know, little Johnny sat in seat J5 of the um, Mayfair multiplex mm. feel special. <laughs> That's really hard. And George Lucas ultimately it's just isn't his area. It seems like he's a good idea guy. Yeah. That's how he made, like, the Indiana Jones movies. And it's how he made Star Wars. Yeah. I mean, it's it's the, it's the ultimate lesson learned, I think, for yeah. anyone interested in, in CGI or, yeah. or, you know, like com- computer effects and, and yeah. things like that. Is this is this is how not to do it? No, you, you know, have and, to and make it natural. All right. So this uh, for a while it looked like this was the last word in Star Wars. Then the Force Awakens happened, mm-hmm. and was great. Controversial to say, but it is my favorite Star Wars. Is the Force Awakens? Mine and too. now we are waiting for slash have just received <laughs> um, a new installment, and I can't was, wait. Slash wow. Slash oh <laughs> bums. <laughs> no, 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 not at all. It's going to be wow. Yeah, I'm sure of it. Um, yeah, so uh, things are looking good and there's all new movies and it's going off in different directions. Mm -hmm. It's not, it didn't end with this disappointing trilogy anymore. So reevaluating it, is there any worth? (laughs) When I was, I don't know, a younger man, like around 2010, I remember people reappraising this and being like, oh, it's not that bad. Look, watch it. And I just, I could never get beyond terrible CGI and Mm. yippee and Misa called Jar Jar Binks. I could never get past that. And I... I can't understand these critics who talk very vaguely about the idea of it being a hell of a entertainment. Like, the idea is, oh, it's just a big, dumb, fun mess. But it is big. It is mm-hmm. dumb. It's not fun. No. I mean, yeah, ag- ag- agreed. I It had been a long time since I'd seen it. I hadn't seen yeah. it since I was about 18, so 13 years ago now. Yeah. And I was curious to watch it. I was really looking forward to watching it because I couldn't remember anything about it except for, yeah, except for Misa Jar Jar Binks. Yeah. Little, little things. I remember Darth Maul was in it. Yeah. There was about two hours of material in there that I didn't remember. Everyone felt betrayed is the thing. I think once the dust has settled, and I'm pretty sure it's settled now, Mm. dust is pretty firmly on the ground. Yeah. Yeah. Flat. It's It's as flat and thick as it is in my eyebrows. God. Well, don't. Don't even. Can't blink anymore. But but at that stage, once it's like your eyebrows, I think it's it's okay and it's actually a good thing to go back and be able to appreciate the bits about the film that worked. Mm. And we'll get onto those shortly. Sure. Um, I'm sure. It's just, I don't agree that this is a good film by any stretch of the imagination. 
it's evidently not. No, you know, we're we're not we're not the first people to weigh in on this trilogy. Um, in fact, we're probably the last at this stage. Mm. But it's been long enough now for people to be able to calmly assess the good in these films, which is fine. But you've got to remember that it's the same for the people who are calmly assessing the problems. Yeah. Um, it just seems to me like a genuine misunderstanding of what people liked about Star Wars. If you look at... A lot of people complain the original trilogy laid down a foundation that Force Awakens and The Phantom Menace uh, followed those plot points too precisely. There's definitely an argument there. There's, mm. They're very similar stories, even in terms of the geography. But they demonstrate... It's very interesting because they demonstrate where the different writers and directors prioritized. Mm. So here... A riff, riffing on A New Hope, Lucas elaborates on the universe and focuses on special effects, thinking that those are the things that people liked. They liked the idea of strange places, elaborately designed, with, you know, fun action and stuff like that. And that's what people responded to, and so that he reframed A New Hope in that context. Whereas The Force Awakens correctly identified that what people like is character mm. and momentous moments and genuine emotion. Characters who feel things and express that in ways you can relate yeah. to that are cinematic because they're not verbal, um, and and, re- and therefore retold a new hope in that context. Mm. Um, and, it, and, it, and it's there in the, we haven't really spoken about this, but the lightsaber jewels. It's, yeah. it's there. It's it's just so endemic. Like the spirit yeah. of each of these films is there in the lightsaber jewels. In a, fan, a Phantom Menace, they're choreographed to the point where they are soulless they're yeah. they're they're a, they're a dance yeah you see you see obi-wan like get really grimacy and angry and he's mm. going to try and kill darth maul and then they come in and just do some more elaborate footwork yeah. and yeah. it's just like the rest of it there's a brilliant shot of him running across a courtyard earlier and um, the mu- the music's <laughs> really going for it and he does yeah. a little twirl and then thunks a droid with a <laughs> with a lightsaber as he yeah. as he runs past and it's just the most like <laughs> needlessly complex yeah. thing yeah um whereas for, in, in, yeah. in the in the Force Awakens, there is grit. And yeah, the fight between Rey and um, Kylo Ren. Yeah, yeah, in the snow is fucking powerful. Mm. It's extraordinary because the scenery is interesting. The camera work is energetic. Things are going on. It's it's character development. Who is Darth Maul to yeah. these guys? They've never met him before. No, they don't know who he is or what he wants. What does Darth, Darth Maul want? His emperor has told him to kill the two Jedi. Mm. There's no personal investment here. No, and I mean, it, it, leave that up to the Force Awakens, and the and there's a story told in their mannerisms, in their physicality. Yeah. And again, in this, you know, you can't tell anything apart from no. the fact that Ewan McGregor's angry now because yeah. yeah, because they're spinning and jumping. Because and... he said, well, not even from the fight though. Before the fight, he says no. Yes, that's that's how you know he's angry. Oh, okay. You have to remember that bit. Oh, doesn't act angry during the fight. It's not like Luke wailing on Darth mm. Vader in Return of the Jedi. And then and then it goes to people, you know, Samuel L. Jackson saying the yeah. new lot need to go to lightsaber school, and you know, George Lucas has not disowned the Force Awakens, but has criticised it for getting it wrong, basically, and which it, is insane. Yeah, and and it just goes to show how disconnected he and other people involved in in making that. Yeah. What? It's like a cult. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, we're getting myopic here. Yeah. Let's refocus. We're going to we are going to quick fire. The quick firing. <laughs> quick fire. I never noticed that Qui-Gon uses his mind trick on Boss Nass twice. Hmm. Uh when he convinces him to give him the uh submarine and then when he convinces him to let uh Jar Jar come with him, he does use his mind trick. Huh. You okay. see his hand move. Yeah. 
which I never noticed before. Uh-huh. That's a little detail. But again, I have to compare it to like Ray learning how to do a mind trick yeah. on that Stormtrooper, which is not only a funny moment, but a really cool one too. Yeah. Liam Neeson's delivery was pretty good, and he kind mm. of he kind of fit that role as mentor quite nicely. It was just the character himself, just yeah. written to be a doofus. Uh, Naboo did look beautiful. But my problem is that, as beautiful as it looks, sort of palaces and big open squares, it doesn't look lived in. Mm. Every setting from the original trilogy looked like some people had lived there for ages. Like the rebel base. Yeah. Had like things lying in the, in the hallways and, or like Cloud City. Yeah. It's like there's people moving around it and it just looks like people live there. Well, they had a curator there who was making sure that nobody damaged anything, so they weren't, they weren't allowed to put things down there, Red robes everywhere. Yeah. Just a series of art galleries, this whole planet. <laughs> I mean, the, the soundtrack is pretty great and memorable yeah, in a lot John of places. Uh, Jewel of Fate. Yes, that's the main one. Yeah, yeah. it's amazing. It's still, it's still John Williams, isn't it? I like the robot voices. Uh, the droids. Check it out, Corporal. We'll cover you. Roger, roger. That was kind of cool, old-fashioned science fiction. Yeah, that's true. It felt very out of place in um, this sort of clean CGI world. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of non-human, C-3PO looks like they borrowed him from a tool video. Oh, fuck me, he's terrifying. Yeah. He's really unsettling, actually, mm. as C-3PO in this, because he moves, but he's he's very obviously a puppet, and I admire the practical effect, and he looked great, but the way he moves is he kind of shakes a lot. Yeah. He hasn't got his skin on, so he's not firm and sort of mechanical like um, C-3PO. Yeah. <laughs> he's, um, he's like a terrifying puppet. Yeah. I think Ian McDiarmid is pretty good in it. He carries himself well. Yeah. He gets a lot more entertaining as these movies go on, but he's already pretty good. Yeah, I think he's not not entertaining in this, but he's capable. He's yes. a just competent actor. Now you'll see how the Senate loses all of its power. Yes. Managed to be a sort of reassuring talent yes. in, in the middle of a very, very dull political drama. Show watch your career with great interest. It's not quite unlimited power! <laughs> Yes. No, it's not, but... Um, We're getting there. We know. We know. <laughs> um, Sebulba's voice is pretty cool. That's the Wahuta Shag. He was menacing. Yeah. And I like having a bit of menace in, like, my family films. Yeah. There was a sweet Anakin moment. Will I ever see you again? What does it hard to tell you? I hope so. It was really, it was a really sweet moment. It oh, actually, sure. it was really a really natural moment. Um, Jake, Jake Lloyd, George, George Lucas just by accident managed to direct Jake Lloyd into having a human emotion on his face, <laughs> and it was quite, quite sweet. Yeah, good for him. Yeah, I have one too. Okay, but it's not um, Anakin being sweet so much as someone being sweet to him. No. Um, when he first meets up with the gang mm. in Tatooine, um, they, they. I can't remember what they're doing. They're buying something. Mm. But it's from a, an old lady. And then when the storm starts to kick up, the dust storm, mm. the old lady turns to Anakin and says, oh, best get home, Annie. And, like, she was really nice. Oh, uh, yeah. She was an actual person, it seemed. Yeah, that was nice. There is one... There's about five seconds of the, the, the big lightsaber fight at the end. Yeah. 
where it effectively demonstrates two people attacking one person at once right and have him defend both people at the same time and it actually effectively looked like it was a real thing happening and not right. just one person takes a turn and then the next yeah it's al- almost a raid <laughs> Um, there's a scene where Queen Amidala is pretending to be the lowly handmaiden Padme, mm-hmm. although that actually is her name, I think it's revealed later, which is a bit contrived. Anyway, um, where Padme is saying to Qui-Gon, the Queen would not approve of this course of action, um, mm. and he's, he brushes her off, uh, saying, the Queen trusts my judgment, or something like that. And then as he goes in, the, um, Padme says, well, I don't approve. Mm. And it was some actual acting from Miss Portman, which was yes. lovely. Thank she you was allowed that. to do a thing. How refreshing. <laughs> Um, Qui-Gon's last few moments of life where they're separated by the force field there's that moment of silence yeah. of quiet and Darth Maul was scowling yeah. snarling at, the, at, at him yeah. and, and Qui-Gon just gets onto his knees and meditates for a bit yeah. it's a nice moment especially when you know that, that these are some of his sort of last moments of life yeah um, there's like brooding quiet I really like that conceit actually because then afterwards you see Obi-Wan he runs but doesn't mm. make it and is stuck behind another force barrier yeah um, as Qui-Gon fights uh, Darth Maul. And yeah. you can see him like itching to get into the fight, but also kind of hoping that the fight goes well. Yeah, And it's it's troubling, the idea of watching someone you care about stuck mm. in a fight that you cannot help them with due to this yeah. you know, thing you have no control over. Was, I, I like that as a way of planning out the action scene. I still have no idea why they did that. <laughs> the, the weird red walls. No, no. What it's function in- is that serving? But it's a nice, it's an interesting conceit. Yeah. Okay, there's a couple of there's one moment during the pod race sequence which I thought built up the atmosphere nicely. Mm. And it was when the flags were being brought on. Mm. We saw various people including I think CPO C3PO carrying one of the flags in his creepy puppet way. Um but yeah, I liked the flags being brought on. It built up a sense of because it's ripping off the chase from Ben-Hur. Mm. I love the chase from Ben-Hur. The chase from the chariot race in Ben-Hur, not only immaculately filmed and thrilling, but it has a great sense of pacing because there's like five scenes building up to it and it's oh it's excellent so that for me sort of captured some of the sort of the sense of occasion around the pod race Hmm, cool um i only have one more and that's really that um does george lucas deserve a tiny bit of respect for having a vision and trying to carry it off you know sure he just it was greatly misinformed yeah and ultimately this is the sort of madcap inventor who didn't take any recommendations from anyone else or listen to any reason yeah and made frankenstein's monster yeah but uh for having that vision and trying to to go through with it yeah kudos for that um but you should have learned a lesson from that (laughs) that is is where the rest of that respect comes from is then knowing when you know your shit is shit and how to improve from there not just put sticking your fingers in your ear and going la 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 (laughs) oh whatever um, I have a few more, so I'll just okay. quickly uh, shove them out there. Um, Walt Davis is in a few scenes, out of makeup, and looks um fresh-faced and really enthusiastic yeah. and energetic and lovely. It's lovely seeing Walt Davis oh. in there. The sound of Sebulba's pod racer was really cool. Sort of... Quite intimidating as well. The idea of the pod racers I found quite cool. The idea of being in a pod that's being dragged around by two incredibly large engines that just fly... Pretty cool concept. Yeah. I like that. It's like a, a vehicle design. Um, there's a hand gesture that Darth Maul does when he wants a piece of debris to fly into a switch, thereby opening a door, and he just sort of points at it and then points at the switch and it flies into it, and that was pretty cool. Hmm. My last good thing about 
Star Wars Episode 1, The Phantom Menace, is the Red Letter Media review of it. <laughs> Red Letter Media, a comedy channel on the internet, made a 70-minute long review of the, of the Phantom Menace, in which they fully take apart the plot holes, the ways in which it doesn't live up to fan expectation, the poor characters... It's just a manifesto of why this this movie isn't good enough to people who mm. love this franchise. And that, for me, represents a much larger thing, which is the idea of people who love Star Wars, who care about Star Wars, being disappointed by The Phantom Menace. And it's this wonderful unifying thing. There is a unity amongst people, and I think this is why we get so annoyed, partly by people who try to rephrase The Phantom Menace or say that it's actually a good thing, partly because it's not, it's shit, mm. but also because... It actually forms part of our identity. We were the generation that George Lucas let down. When it was our time to go to the cinemas to see a big Star Wars movie, he failed us by making something about taxation and Mm. boring characters. So I think maybe it needed to happen because it allowed, you know, after a decade away from these movies, for new filmmakers to come in. It was a decade too, 2005, 2015. Mm. To come in and say, okay, this is what Star Wars should be. We know because of how angry people were about The Phantom Menace. They need practical effects. They need actual characters. They need something that looks like a movie and not a terrible TV show. Hmm. So I kind of think The Phantom Menace needed to happen. And that it's a good thing it happened. Because it allowed us to understand so much more about what makes a terrible movie and specifically what makes a terrible Star Wars movie. Would we have known quite so acutely what it is we loved about that original trilogy if it weren't for Phantom Menace throwing it all out? No, yeah, I guess you're right. I mean, like we said, Phantom Menace gets some things right. Sure. And, you know, fully against the grain of our usual OGT positivity. (laughs) Um, I've been overwhelmingly negative until now, and I really wanted to be positive. I really wanted to sort of swing it around just for myself and just, you know... To be able to, you know, say, hey, it's not all bad. Yeah. But it's just, you're just going from the reaction, reactions that you feel, I think, when you're actually watching yeah. the film. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, the world's still there. This is George mm. Lucas's creation. And on it paper, sure the, the rise of Darth Vader is amazing, horrifying. <laughs> um, but it's like he said, he's an ideas guy. And the idea of all of this is yeah. superb. And not for one minute are we taking away from what he created. Mm. But it's just an execution it was lacking. And I suppose, like you said, this film and the yeah. wider trilogy really is like a rubric for how not to make a film. Yeah. Um, no, it absolutely yeah. is. And it's one that J.J. Abrams seems to have keenly picked up. And I'm yeah. hoping Ryan Johnson's done the same. Yeah. Study the books like a real nerd. <laughs> Study those books made of shit called <laughs> the prequel trilogy. <laughs> And we'll return to our studies this time next year. Mm. Um, how did our OGT fa- our OG team yes. get on finding good things? Well, I put the, the call out two hours ago because I completely forgot. <laughs> and um, the record number of people have responded. So <laughs> good to know. Video negative. Uh, video negative. Hello, friends. Uh, Oliver Irwin. I remember the name. Um, the pod race is still a triumph of the series sound design. A scene with yes. vision and a break from all the trade routes, tax breaks, and gun bollocks. <laughs> Again, sound design. It's that fucking... Yeah, exactly. It's almost a Transformers level of of good sound engineering. And as you pointed out, no music during most of that sequence. It just plays out to pure sound. Yes. I think if you're watching it with your eyes closed, you'd have quite an experience. All nine and a half minutes. Oh, fuck me. I know. Uh, Varmints at Varmints Podcast. Oh, Varmints. Hello. Yeah. 
Uh, Natalie Portman is a very attractive woman. Also, if you watch it in reverse, so you can watch Qui-Gon Jinn sell Anakin to a junk shop and run away from <laughs> and lose Jar Jar Binks forever. <laughs> Agreed. Agreed. In Wonderful. reverse, this film makes so much more sense. Um, launching the pilot, launching the pilot, said young Obi-Wan Kenobi, which I'm not sure about. No, because he's not given anything to do. Yeah. There's no hint. In the next one, he shows up with a beard and a personality. Mm. <laughs> so he went and got those. Yes. So found found those sense. on the Tatooine. Like, is he meant to be a young and impetuous Obi-Wan? He doesn't. No, as well as it doesn't come through, does it? No, he's not impetuous, is he? No. So quite a few people said the Jewel of Fates. Uh, nerds, nerds chatting. Sure. Admit one movies. Uh, smorgasbords. Everybody, TV in space. The trailer was the best bit. Gave me chills. Uh, the film, well, that had a good soundtrack. Thank, thank you, everyone, for that. Thanks all. Some good consensus. And now it's time for the one better thing. The one better thing. So, what Star Wars was? What the Star Wars prequel trilogy was meant to be was another Star Wars, and what Star Wars was was sort of really picking up kids' imagination and this transformative event that people talk about as being like. You know, you'll often hear our generation's Star Wars. Like, that's the thing. But my generation's Star Wars that came out exactly when I was 13, 14, and 15, absolutely perfect for capturing my imagination and showing me a whole world that I would become obsessed with and just want to live in and also just see mm. things set in it. It's quite clearly The Lord of the Rings, Peter Jackson's mm. um, trilogy of films based on J.R.R. Tolkien's novels. They're extraordinary. They are full of character characters that you actually like and are interested in they tell a story that's incredibly involving and engaging and what's more is they're actually kind of revolutionary and special effects in the same way that star wars was mm. the way they blend practical effects and digital effects so that you have you know miniatures but also cgi and perspective tricks and all the rest of it and practical effects it's just it's all there it's like a it's like a encyclopedia on how to make movies is the Star Wars tri- uh, is the Lord of the Rings trilogy and mm. also one of the things I really give it respect for is how weird it can be mm. some of the sort of dream sequences and the 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 more bizarre sequences like the whole opening sequence to Return of the King is very odd and it does it goes a great way to establish hey this is going to be a dark and uh, weird edition in this it, it it really raises the stakes, has a great sense of peril. I, I love it. It's amongst my favourite films ever made. Yeah, agreed. We've, talk, we've spoken about this, and it, re- it really is um, unparalleled, I think. Yeah. Great, one of the biggest movie events and projects in yeah. cinema history. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, this is another franchise that had its heyday and was revived with a new cast and... Um, well, the same story, it's sort of like Star Wars. But it worked. Uh, yes, but it worked. And that would be the early noughties TV series, Battlestar Galactica. Woo! The human race is stranded and drifting in space after the 13 colonies are destroyed mm. uh, with its own nuclear arsenal. Uh, the Cylons are responsible and they pursue the humans, sowing discontent and spreading fear. Wow. Humans cling to survival. It's excellent. <laughs> Such a good cast and this wonderful premise that remains tense for the whole length of the show. A lot yeah. of the episodes centre around political themes that were pertinent at the time, like torturing of prisoners of war, yep. uh, the role of the military in policing, governing in a crisis, and so on. It's intelligent, it's brooding, and it's very bloody entertaining. Yeah. It's just, yeah, if you're going to stink your time into one TV show, just go back 10, 10 years or so and watch Battlestar Galactica. You won't yeah. regret it. Absolutely. And that was the one better thing. The one better thing. Thank you very much for listening to One Good Thing. 
Thank you very much. You can uh, find us on Twitter and Facebook if you have yep. some things to say. Thank you to the people who have been doing that so far. <laughs> if you want to send an email, we've got one of those. Um, it's uh, ogtpod at gmail.com. Yeah. Uh, thanks and hello to new subscribers. I can hello tell the numbers there. are going up um, <laughs> upon release. Um, it's finding its way into more ears, <laughs> more quick. More noses. Thank you. More nasal canals. So thanks and hello. hello yeah oh Oh, hello oh hello you what are you doing here how you been what have you got there what's that Uh, no no my novel Doghead is available on amazon on paperback and kindle for 5.99 my novel screen mayhem is available (laughs) in website form as um may resemble a series of articles but it's very much like um you know book of stories Mm. building stories in that way yes uh, yeah and it's free. And it's free, yeah. Better than, char- so better than me. Literally couldn't charge for it, is what they said. <laughs> <laughs> yes, marvellous. Um, yeah, I think that's just about that. Yeah, stay tuned next week for a big one. Yeah, our 50th episode, God. which we're planning on just celebrating of just an all-out Paulathon. Yeah, which Paul? You'll find out. Toss of the coin. <laughs> it's not going to be great either way. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's going to be a fiasco. Yeah, a real Pyrrhic victory for us. Ah, <laughs> oh, I'm Paul Salt. I'm Paul Goodman. And remember, the one good thing about Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace is that it is terrible. But that you know it's terrible.